Hey y'all, you know how transparent we like to be with you and we're so excited to announce our first official sponsor, NeoU Fitness. So NeoU is a digital boutique fitness platform where you can access all types of workouts from incredible instructors anywhere in the country from your phone, computer, or TV. And all of it is equipment free. Which is perfect for us with all the travel that we've been doing lately. And the app has over 40 different concepts as well, including the Vixen workout, which is all about empowering sexy dance workouts. The Brave Body Project, which is a body positive cardio boot camp, the Aoki boot camp, which is DJ Steve Aoki's cardio workouts, plus yoga, boxing, pre and postnatal, and much, much more. You can stream on any of your devices available on iOS, Android, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, and the web. And you can go and sign up there at NeoU Fitness, that's N-E-O-U fitness.com to receive one month free, but you have to enter our special code neighbor 601. And the coupon code only works on the website and you can find the link to the website on all of our social media. Thanks guys. We hope you enjoy. We're here today with the New York obstetrician, gynecologist and founding physician of kind body, Dr. Fahima Sazan. You have seen her on the today show, CBS news. She is the face when it comes to everything going on down there. And if you haven't heard about them or seen their mobile units set up around the city, Kind Body is a full-service women's health and fertility platform reinvented for the women of today. It modernizes the way we approach fertility and IVF by making it more accessible and not so scary for all of us. Welcome. We're so happy to have you here today with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here, and I'm so excited to have a interesting and informative conversation with you. Yes. So how did you get involved with Kind Body? Yeah, so I am an OBGYN. I um, trained and worked at um, Mount Sinai here in New York City for 12 years, uh, coming from a really busy OBGYN practice. We were a group of four doctors, and we delivered amongst the four of us about 800 babies a year. So that's wow. a lot of babies. Um, and I, you know, over the last over a decade, have um, worked a lot with women in various stages of their life from, you know, young girls who are having painful periods and as teenagers to women in their 80s, well beyond menopause and everything in between. And one of the parts that I found was just not quite right and kind of bothered me as as a physician was the stigma that really surrounded the fertility aspect of women. So really, when you talk about women 25 to 45, who are in that fertility phase, and the lack of knowledge that most women have about their fertility was really astonishing to me. And I really wanted an opportunity to re reach women on a broader level. And um, one of the focuses of Kind Body and one of our true missions and one of the things I'm most passionate about is education and empowerment. Because we feel that by telling women about their fertility and educating them about their options, then women can make a decision that's right for them. And the core principle of Kind Body is we're not trying to scare women into freezing their eggs or uh, promote a product in particular. We just really want every woman, regardless of their age, to know their options and recognize that what's right for one woman isn't right for another. But once you're knowledgeable about your body, once you have actual facts about your body, as opposed to various things people read on Dr. Google, yes, <laughs> then you can make an educated decision. And, um, and so I am really delighted to be a part of Kind Body. And our mission is truly to develop a national network of women's health practices, as you said, 
with a core value of education and then providing a unfragmented, destigmatized care for women, for whether it's birth control and wellness and GYN checkups to egg freezing and a full spectrum of fertility care from same-sex couples to couples facing fertility issues to couples needing a donor egg, donor sperm, surrogacy, gestational carriers, the entire gamut. Got it. We love that. It's incredible. I mean, I don't even know anything about my own personal fertility. Nothing. That's why, I guess that's why we don't talk about it. It's like a scary conversation to so many women. And we don't know why that is. Like, do you have any insight into why people, that scary stigmas surrounding it? I think part of it is, unfortunately, because we're women. Women in the entire spectrum of medicine and really in the entire spectrum of everything from voting to working to women's rights, Mm -hmm. they're all fairly recent things. If you look at the history of, you know, the United States or look at just trends across the world, you know, women's um, care and healthcare in particular has always been kind of a step behind. It's amazing. I was actually sitting on a panel at Yale University last week and one of the women that was on the panel was a researcher and she was talking about how just in the last two years that the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control and the FDA, Mm made it a requirement that people that were doing testing include female models. Are you serious? Just in the last few years. I was astonished. I was sitting on the panel and I literally wanted to be like, stop. Wait, hold up. (laughs) I need to talk to you. Um, But so that it's now just now become a requirement that when, for example, if they're testing in a medication, that they also test it on female mice. You have to be kidding me. Yeah. So it's always been done on males? On males. And so then one of the things she was talking about was when medication then subsequently gets removed, you know, recalled, it's often from adverse effects on women that they didn't anticipate. So what that segues me into is the reason why women know so little about their fertility is that women's health in general has always been behind closed doors, right? So, for example, just think about a woman's first period. It's not generally, it's not a celebrated thing. No. It's like, oh, sh- mine was. I uh, yeah. house? Oh, well, my you house and in school. It was, yeah. It was we, a- my parents brought home a cake from Carvel. My girlfriends came over. I, I was a gymnast, though, so it was like a really, I never thought I was going to get my period. But yeah, it was very exciting in my home. And then like my guy friends stood up and clapped. It, it was, oh my gosh. Yeah, well, I don't, but it was embarrassing, but I was also happy on the inside. But that's just me. No, but I think that's really blessed. But there was recently even that, and I haven't seen it yet, but that Oscar winning documentary uh, called The Period. No, oh, I no, we have that. not seen that yet. Yeah, the they won an Oscar. It's a documentary um, based in India on girls getting their period but around the world you know and I'm glad that you had a positive experience I know I'm sorry I totally (laughs) refuted your point I'm like I'm the 0.1 percent no No, you are the only person whatever (laughs) but but when it comes to real when it comes to women's health though it's generally everything about women so for example women don't talk about miscarriages Mm -mm. even though it's one of the most common things that happens it can be up to 40 to 50 percent of all pregnancies end in miscarriage in the first trimester that's huge huge yeah Yet every woman, when it happens to them, thinks they're the only one yeah. and thinks it's extremely rare. 
issues like endometriosis, mm-hmm. issues with contraception, issues with irregular bleeding, painful periods, to fertility issues, biological clock. These are all things that are very taboo in our society. And, very, and as a result of the lack of conversation, there's a lack of knowledge. Right. And people don't know where to turn. And they're a little bit ashamed to talk about it. And, and as a result, it's led to a lot of bad information or a lot of misconceptions, I think is a better way to put it. And those misconceptions have just led people to not really truly understand. And when I talk about people don't understand their fertility, I'm talking about very educated, very successful women living in the Upper East Side of Manhattan who are then devastated that at 39, what do you mean I can't get pregnant or I have to have fertility treatments, but I'm really healthy and look and I exercise and I eat well and I don't stress and I do X, Y, Z perfectly. So I must be fertile. And the key is you can't tell someone's fertility by looking at them. And it doesn't matter how perfect you are in every way from head to toe. You can have fertility issues. It's just not something we can control. And that's why one of our missions at Kind Body and one of my personal missions as a woman, as a mom, and as an OBGYN, and now a founding physician of Kind Body is to educate women. So, and to start a conversation, start an honest conversation about your body, about your fertility. And from there, once we have a nice open dialogue, the rest is just going to fall into place. Absolutely. Totally. That yeah. makes complete sense. We have so many women that listen right now. We have women in their teens. We have women in their 20s up to their 60s that we've heard of. It's it's really incredible. There's no age demographic right now with all of our neighbors. And so we just didn't know when you should possibly start considering the process. I know everyone is different too. So I know this is a tough question, but if you were undergoing this type of process with freezing your eggs, what would you recommend? Sure. My first recommendation would be to just learn more about your body and not guess. And so the first step is a fertility assessment. And the cool part about it is it's not invasive. Um, It requires a blood test. I know nobody loves to get their blood drawn, but at the end of the day, it's a little prick. And it involves a pelvic sonogram, also known as an ultrasound, which I've had quite a few myself. It's a little bit uncomfortable. It's a vaginal probe. But none of it is surgery. None of it is something where, you know, you go you, under. Yeah, you it's go like, under it's anesthesia. Like a gynecology yeah, session. it's not yeah, something you... that requires, you know, a CAT scan or an MRI or some really intense procedure. Um, but coming in for, t- for fertility assessment. So this is what it is, basically. It's, it's sitting down with someone who actually has expertise in fertility and women's health sitting down with a doctor, going over your medical history, your surgical history, the medications you take, you know, your family history, how old was your mom when she stopped getting her periods? These are all really important things. And then having a physical exam, let's do a sonogram, look at your uterus, look at your ovaries, count follicles that are in your ovaries. Those are basically premature eggs. And then do some hormone testing. And then from there, I can actually tell you, instead of guessing, okay, here you are. On March 8th, 2019, or whatever the day may be, this is your fertility today. And then once you know where you stand, you can then tell me, okay, my dream is to have X number of kids. And realistically, and that's the key, realistically, I anticipate having my first child when I am, fill in the blank. And realistically, I anticipate having my last child 
when I am phone the blank. And sometimes people forget about the last child. Right. And only focus on the first child. And the key is, is that egg freezing can be an option and for women to prolong their fertility and to have the ideal family they dream of having and to think of it as just a backup insurance, um, not as a guarantee. Mm-hmm. To go back to your question, the key is to just go and get checked out. Most women's fertility declines about 35 for most women. And when I say decline, that means the quality and the quantity of eggs starts to decline around 35. Do we know the percentage of that or what? Yeah. So one out of five women, 20% of women will have a decline in their fertility before the age of 35. From between 35 and 40, it varies, but we're talking rather high percentages. There isn't an exact percentage that's written in the textbooks because there's quite a bit of variability okay but a better way to say it is someone who is in their 20s has about 80 to 90 percent of their eggs being normal okay and 10 percent abnormal Mm -hmm. whereas someone who's in their late 30s has about 80 to 90 percent of their eggs that are abnormal and only 10 percent that are normal oh wow you see that yes the shift that occurs with age okay and and then there's 20 percent of women who can have a decline prior to the age of 35 and i just said you can't tell by looking at you whether or not you're fertile right so do i think 18 year olds need to go have fertility assessments absolutely not but do i think that as part of just being a intelligent and being mindful of your body is it appropriate for someone in their mid-20s to go and just be evaluated? I'm not saying you need to do anything more. Right. Sure. I think absolutely. I mean, the same way you go to the dentist or you go to get your eyes checked or you go and have your pap smear and your GYN exam, I think it's it's just giving you information and it's certainly not harmful. And I mean, knowledge is just power. Like right. we just can take control of the situation and we know what we're working with. I have uh, two questions for you that just came to mind when you were talking. My first is... Do we have a set number of eggs in our body when we're born? Is that true? Yes, absolutely. So the estimation is is that women are born with about 2 million eggs. And by the time you reach your first period, so 11, 12, 13, depending on your age, you're down to about 300 to 400,000. So you go from 2 million at birth to about 300, 400,000 within the first decade of your life. And then we estimate that women lose up to a, about a thousand eggs a month, even if you're on birth control. And there's no way, absolutely zero way of making new eggs, regardless of how healthy you are. People always ask, oh, well, is there something I can change about my diet or my activity to boost my <laughs> egg numbers? That, <laughs> it's 100% out of our control. And being on birth control, even though birth control prevents ovulation, Mm -hmm. meaning birth control prevents an egg from maturing, but it doesn't prevent the shedding of those eggs. Got it. And then my other question was, we saw this silly video on True TV that said this information and all the studies were based off this data from a rural farm in the 1600s. Do you know anything about this? Is this true? Or maybe that the data was a little bit outdated. Some of it was like really trying to scare people almost and thinking like some of this is not as current. Some of this is based off of old news and facts. The bottom line is, is I mean, women's fertility is rather well studied and it's pretty standard. Now the key is that not every woman is going to be the same. So we can't just go by age. You can make some generalizations 
about age, but at the end of the day, you have to really get down to the individual and get some factual, objective information in the ways of doing sonograms and blood work to really tell someone what their fertility is like. The reason I'm asking this is because I was talking to someone about, you know, getting assessed and looking at some, you know, possibly freezing some eggs and doing something like that in my near future. And they're like, well, this information is ridiculous. It's old. It's outdated. You're fine until until you're 40. And I was like, well, that's still basically tomorrow. But on a side note, like people are just receiving so much information right now and nobody knows what's true, what's false. Like you said, Dr. Google is there to really mess us all up. Yeah. So what that person told you is unfortunately the information that a lot of women are told in their doctor's office. You're young. Don't worry about it. Or are you trying to have a baby now? And if your answer is no, they're like, okay, well then let's just wait till you get married and you try for a year and see what happens. And that is the biggest disservice that the medical community is doing to women because by brushing it off and by telling someone they're young or, well, you're not trying to get pregnant now, so basically who cares? Right. It is really truly a disservice. And I think the key is if you look at medicine as a whole, everything in medicine is transitioning to preventative health. So think about you eat well, Mm -hmm. you exercise, so you don't gain weight, so you don't get diabetes, so you don't have a heart attack, so you don't have a stroke, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything is turning towards prevention. We're Um, now testing our genes to make sure we don't have certain things that could possibly happen in our future. You know, we're really going in on it. Absolutely. And then, but on the flip side, and going back to what you just told me, on the flip side, what we're telling women is to be reactionary, right? We're saying, don't prevent it. Just wait. So the person told you, oh, you're young. See what happens when you're 40. What they're telling you, they're not guaranteeing you that you'll be fertile at 40. What they're telling you is, well, why don't you just wait and see what happens? And how horrible is that? Especially when there's something you could do. Now, there's some things in life where you just can't prevent it, in which case I don't, I'm not an alarmist. I don't, I don't think you should worry about things you can't prevent, But there's actually something you can proactively do as a woman in her 20s or as a 38-year-old woman to actually be preventative and to give yourself an opportunity to say, I'm going to take control over my fertility and I want to optimize my chances of having my dream family in the event that I have a fertility problem. And I'm talking about optimizing and something you can do key is no one's and I certainly am not selling a guarantee but to just say oh don't worry about it you're going to be fine well into your 40s is irresponsible Mm -hmm. right and what's something like this I mean I want to hear about the whole process but you just kind of convinced me to to do this like I I actually really want to go in and maybe we can go together we're definitely going together okay because yeah I want to know I, I get my OBGYN he does check me out and everything else but it's just nice to see the history it's nice to talk through it with someone you know we have a wonderful appointment Dr. Kaplan's great I love you Dr. Kaplan he's gonna deliver my babies one day but I would like to know what's going on a little bit further than our 20 minute appointment our 15 minute appointment I think it's very it's needed too and how much does something like that cost yeah, so one of the key parts is when you go in for a regular OBGYN visit even though they're doing a very thorough job of checking you out. Typically, an OBGYN's visit is more structured around your pap smear and checking for HPV, cervical cancer, maybe STD screening, 
contraception, right? Um, breast cancer screening in a form of a breast exam and then maybe just making sure your you know uterus is a good size and talking about your periods I can say with confidence that a standard OBGYN visit never includes fertility discussions typically does not include what are your plans how many kids do you want to have sometimes someone might ask you you know are you thinking about having kids now and then if you respond no then it's it's done okay right. Um, and so what it doesn't include, your standard GYN visit doesn't include counting the follicles in your ovaries, which is a special type of sonogram called an antral follicle count. And a standard OBGYN visit extremely rarely would include actually checking your hormone levels, which is an anti-malarian hormone, which can actually give you an assessment of the number of eggs you have, which is also referred to as your ovarian reserve. Oh, wow. So I had no idea about the, uh, like, yeah, I did not realize there was different types of sonograms. Yeah, there are. And so unfortunately what happens is the lack of information that's out there makes some women think, oh, well, I go for my checkup every year, so I must be fine. I must be fine. Uh, And, or my pap smears have always been normal, so I must be fine. And a pap smear checks for one thing and one thing only, that's cervical cancer. HPV causes cervical cancer. And then if your doctor is extra advanced, they may be able to do a gonorrhea chlamydia test with your pap smear as kind of a dual test, Mm -hmm. but that's where it stops. Pap smears don't tell you anything else. And unfortunately our society, and I think it's just a lack of education has led women to think if you've had a pap smear, then you're great. And it's interesting too, because all that is generally covered by insurance, right? And none of the fertility stuff is. So that's an extra cost if we were to go in and talk to our doctor and say, I want this. You're looking at an add-on of God knows what. Right. So in some places, it is unfortunately expensive. And that's another mission at Kind Body is our, our goal is to improve access and to inform and educate women. And one of the ways that you can improve access besides education is to bring down the costs. So you can come into Kind Body and do a full assessment, meaning meet with a doctor, go over your medical history, have a physical exam, have an ultrasound that actually looks at the eggs in your ovaries, and have some blood work done. And the total cost of that is $200. Is that including the blood work as well? The blood is drawn in our office. The blood test itself is typically covered by insurance. If your insurance doesn't cover it or you end up having a high deductible, the AMH test, which is anti-malarian hormone, even if someone has zero insurance, is $47. Amazing. It's not crazy at all. Wow. That's amazing. I think I got a bill back after doing my whole hormone test and everything else and it was like 300 something dollars. And I was like, what? is going on so that's incredible so $200 we can do this Beth totally yeah okay so let's say we do the fertility assessment we get it done and then I want to say okay I want to freeze my eggs bring us through the process of egg freezing and what it's all about everything from possibly the hormones is it going to make us crazier than we already are (laughs) right you know some of the side effects but yeah what does it entail Sure. So egg freezing is a process that only takes two weeks, 14 days. So some people think it's like this huge commitment. In my mind, I thought it was like months. It's two weeks. Same. Wow. Two weeks from the first injection to the day of the retrieval um, is two weeks. And so I'll walk you through those 14 days. The first day is when you start your injections. It typically starts um, a few days after the first day of your period. 
and you're giving yourself injections typically at night. Usually we give you a window between 7 and 10 p.m. And then we ask you to try to stick to the same time or about the same time each night. You're giving yourself injections typically for about 11 days. Okay. Again, not a huge amount of time yeah. in the big scheme of things. We teach you how to do those injections in person and then you can watch videos and something unique at Kind Body is one of our team members would also be available to FaceTime you at the time of your injection. That's incredible. I love that. In the event that you all of a sudden just get scared. You because panic. We recognize that injections aren't something that are part of people's lives normally. The injections are super teeny tiny small. So it's not like when you go get a flu shot or any kind of other injection. They're teeny tiny. They just go right under the skin. And you typically just fold the you know, the fat on your stomach. Where do you do it? Oh, your stomach? In your stomach. Okay. And listen, girls, as skinny as you may be, everyone can still get a little roll. <laughs> you can get a little pinch. <laughs> everyone yeah. has a little, a little roll pinch. and yeah. a pinch. Yeah. And so you do those injections. Some women require two injections. Some it's one, but typically it's about two injections given at the same time. During those 11 days, you're coming into our office for about four to five visits. And the reason why those visits are important is when we do egg freezing, it's not a cookie cutter recipe where every single woman is getting the exact same dose of medicine. The medication, which are hormones that your body naturally makes, are tailored to you based on your weight, your height, your hormone levels, how old you are, and what we found out objectively on your sonogram and your blood tests. And then as you're going through those 11 days and you're giving yourself injections, what we're doing with the blood work and the sonograms when you come to our office is we're monitoring your response so that we can then fine tune your dosing based on your response. Sometimes we increase the dose, decrease the dose, or keep it the same. So that's what you say response. response. Yeah. Yeah. Your response is what we're looking for is, so each month, let's say you're not on birth control, each month a woman matures one egg. Okay. You mature one egg, and that one mature egg, if someone was to have unprotected sex, could potentially become an embryo. Just one? One, yeah. You mature one egg. That's ovulation. Is it? Is no one else's mind blown on this? Just one egg? <laughs> I love one? You. Yeah, that's I love why you. the standard chance of getting pregnant per month for a very healthy young couple is only 25% chance. That's, why was I, I so know. worried most of my life? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. 25% Everybody needs protection. Yeah. The chance of pregnancy for a normal, <laughs> healthy, young couple. Hard. You're saying, thank you, God. <laughs> this is like, wow. No, it's a real thing. We spend our entire lives trying not to get pregnant. Right. It's our primary goal as women. Right. And then now all of a sudden we want to be pregnant. And it's like, what? What's happening right. to me? <laughs> it, uh, yeah, no, it's true. But you should still use protection. That, that's yes. trying to advocate that yes. too. So each month our body matures one egg. That egg is ovulation and that egg could potentially become a baby if someone has unprotected sex. What we're trying to do with egg freezing is stimulate as many eggs as possible to mature in one 14-day period. So instead of one egg maturing, we're giving you the same hormones your body naturally makes to make as many eggs as possible mature. And so in someone who's in their late 20s and early 30s, we may be able to get 20 eggs or even 30 eggs out of one cycle of egg freezing, meaning one round. Whereas someone who's in their 
mid to late 30s may only get 10 eggs or less than 10 eggs out of one round of egg freezing. It really depends on your fertility. Unfortunately, we also meet, you know, 30-year-old women who only get five eggs out of one round because they're having premature decline in their fertility. And what's the average of the mean healthy eggs? Like eggs without any sort of defects? What's the proper word for that? I don't want to... Yeah, no. So that's actually a really good question. When we're getting eggs out, the only thing that we can tell from an egg is whether or not it's mature. Okay, so think of Goldilocks story. You know, it was too cold, too hot, just right. Yeah. Um, We can tell if an egg is immature. We can tell if an egg has just an abnormal shape. And then we can tell if an egg is mature. So it's just right. That's all we can tell. Okay. It is scientifically impossible to check the genetics of an egg. Until it's fertilized. Right. So an embryo is when an egg and a sperm meet and fertilize and have now created an embryo, which could then potentially become a baby. An embryo can be biopsied, and then you can check the genetics. Got it. On that. Okay. But an egg cannot be biopsied because it's just one solitary cell. And so there's no scientific way of checking the quality of an egg. But our scientific data is very strong in us knowing that regardless of your fertility, your age is an excellent predictor of the quality of your eggs. Okay. So I mentioned before there could be 20-year-olds that have a hard time getting pregnant. If they're having a hard time getting pregnant, it's not because of their egg quality at that point. There's other issues that are playing a factor. So that it's quite standard that people... You know, anyone less than, let's say, 32 is likely going to have 80 to 90% genetically normal eggs, whereas someone who's in their 39 is probably going to have 80 to 90% genetically abnormal eggs. Got it. Got it. Well, here I am thinking that response means how you show up to the appointment and whether you're in tears and crying (laughs) and everything else. So that goes to show how much I really know, how much maybe we know. (laughs) We've heard just hormones and sometimes when you're adding hormones in, like it can make you a little extra or sad or, I mean, we become different people when we get our periods. We are like... Because we're PMSing, yeah. PMS and it's just, it's, yeah, we get a little sad or down on ourselves and we're like, why are we like this? But does that have anything to do with that too? Yeah, so the symptoms during egg freezing, uh, I'll get to in one second. Um, But to finish off the process. Yes. So uh, 11 nights of injections, four to five visits to the office. During those visits, you're having a sonogram and blood work. We're checking to see how many eggs your body is maturing. That's what I mean by response. (laughs) So if your body is not maturing enough eggs, we increase the dose to see if we can get more to mature. If we see that you're responding a little too aggressively, meaning a lot of eggs are maturing simultaneously, we'll decrease the dose a little bit because it's all about moderation and a fine balance. And then typically on the 13th or 14th day, of this 14-day process, we'll have you come in for the egg retrieval. And the reason why it varies by a day or two is depending on when we see that your eggs on the ultrasound are ready, and that's based on size, Got it. then we say, okay, you need to come in now for the retrieval of these eggs. And that's done under anesthesia. It's a sedation. It's not like general anesthesia where you have a tube down your throat. It's, it's a light sedation. The actual procedure only takes about 10 to 15 minutes. Once again, why did I think it was like 
so serious. I don't know. Yeah, it's 10 or 15 I mean, it's minutes. it's serious, but not. Yeah, but you're not putting, you're not under. Yeah. You're not going under, which I always, you know, that word is like a big thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's a sedation. It is, there's an anesthesiologist there, so it's all very protected and um, you are in, in a procedure room, which is similar to an operating room. So we do take it very seriously, uh, but it's not like you're having full general surgery. And then the procedure itself is done through the vagina. So there's no cuts. There's no incisions. You don't go home with a Band-Aid. Um, and it's a vaginal ultrasound, which is a probe that's inserted into the vagina. That probe has a very small needle attached to it that goes into the ovaries and like a vacuum sucks out those eggs. And the reason that's why we... So cool. Yeah. And the reason why we use the ultrasound is so we can actually visualize. So it's not blind. We can see where the eggs are and, and, take and them. suck them out. And you're asleep for it because it's this very sensitive process. So one, we don't want you to be cramping and in pain and moving around. Mm -hmm. And that way it allows you to be completely still so that the doctor can actually be (laughs) precise. And do do your job. And also (laughs) there's no reason for you to have unnecessary discomfort. And then when it's done, usually um, are up and awake and walk out the door within, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, We do ask you to stay home that one day and rest just because you've been under sedation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But during the remainder of the time, so during those 14 days, you can go about your normal activity. You do not need to stay home from work or cancel events or anything like that. Truly for the vast majority of women, unless you told someone you were going through it, they would never know. Wow. The main symptoms people feel is bloating mm-hmm. and um, maybe a little more tired than you usually are, but not tired where you stay home from work. Right. Just, you know, yourself, you feel a little, you know, um, more fatigued, uh, it does not cause PMS symptoms. And the reason for that is, and this will make sense if, if you hear me out. Okay. PMS is actually a result of your body withdrawing from hormones, right? Got it. So uh, if you go through a menstrual cycle, at the beginning, your hormone levels are increasing, increasing, increasing in anticipation of a pregnancy, all right? That egg is maturing, hoping to meet a sperm, and then nothing happens, so all the hormone levels drop, and you get your period, and that drop in the hormones is what causes some women to suddenly feel emotional, hormonal, PMSE, moody, which doesn't happen to all women. I'm sure you have friends who go through their cycle and yeah, they're fine. Well, I did for years. I was fine for years. And then all of a sudden, like, I hit 35 and it started to go mental. Yeah. And oh. your our bodies change. I yeah. mean, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that have changed in your body. Yeah. You know, over time. And so that's totally okay. Um, but in during an egg freezing process, we're actually giving you more hormones. So that's why women don't typically feel moody or agitated or PMSy. They just feel a little bloated and a little bit more tired. And then the day of the retrieval, you'll feel a little crampy. Uh, crampy that needs Advil, Motrin, Tylenol, not prescription drugs. Right. And then I stress everything with most and many um, because, you know, with every rule, there's an exception. So once in a while, there might be someone that feels a little more moody, a little more tired, had to stay home a day they weren't expecting yeah. to. And I think that's just that every person is unique. Um, But the vast majority of women respond quite well. The vast majority of women continue with their normal activities. Uh, We had a patient of ours recently who was a model who actually went on a photo shoot during her 
um, cycle. Of course she did. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. no one knew. No, um, we had a patient who went through egg freezing who lives with her boyfriend and didn't want her boyfriend to know and went through the whole process. He was never the wiser. So th- yeah. I'm, I'm stressing well, those things kind of to make a <laughs> point. What I've heard is that you get incredibly hormonal. I mean, I don't know where I got this information from, but in my mind somewhere it lived. Oh, and I've had people that have said the same thing and just crying or you get super hormonal. It's going to be, you're going to, it's going to feel awful. You're going to have to call out of work. You're not going to be able to continue with your life. This is really incredible information to hear. Yeah. So we're happy to hear that. No, that really, yeah, refutes a lot of, of what we've heard or seen or people talking on Instagram too. It's like the, through the process. But again, it's like a, it's a great process of what you're doing. I, I, I totally believe in it and I vibe mm-hmm. for it because it's proactive. And I say this and I don't want to discount that one woman out there or, that. or disenfranchise yes. yeah, 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 yes. her that, you know, there are some women who don't respond well emotionally to the process. Sure. Um, and I don't want to make them feel like, you know, they're not being honest or truthful. It's just that with anything, you have to go with the vast majority right. and the vast majority of women their main symptoms are bloating and fatigue. By the way, this didn't come from one person who had gone through it. This came just through the grapevine. Right. Right? It's a game of telephone. It grows. And things are just <laughs> getting larger and larger. And that's why we're here is to just inform women and really give you the honest facts. And when you come and see us in the office, we're happy to even dive in deeper. What is the price of doing egg retrieval, egg freezing at Kind Body? So the prices for Kind Body for a fertility assessment is $250 normally. And we are going to do a special promotion for all of your listeners. And the promotion code is Be My Neighbor. And so you get $100 off the fertility assessment. So for your listeners, it'll be $150 for the fertility assessment. Oh my God. And then um, an egg freezing cycle at Kind Body is $6,000. And then for your listeners, again, with the promo code Be My Neighbor, it's $5,000. So you get a $1,000 discount. Wow. And what that $5,000 includes would be your first assessment. All of your visits. So I just previously mentioned you're coming in, you know, four to five times during the cycle for the the monitoring. So it include all your visits, all the sonograms. It includes the actual procedure for the retrieval of the eggs. It includes the anesthesia. So remember, we talked about how the actual retrieval is done under anesthesia. And it includes the first year of storage. That's huge. And then after that, starting year two, storage is $600 a year. Okay. Uh, and some places charge a hundred dollars a month. We saw that yes, online. We, we did, looked we at lo- it. Did a lot of research on the storage fees because it's not only like you keep you have to keep them at where like how, what are you you're storing them in a certain temperature. It's like your storage units for when you pass on the FDR. You're like, this yeah. is the egg storage. You know what I'm talking about, the storage places. So we store your um, eggs on site at Kind Body. It's in a really fascinating system. It's it's kept cold obviously because we're we're freezing eggs it's a whole system above and beyond the need of a conversation here but it's liquid nitrogen in a tank with multiple layers of security so that not only is there automated computerized security but then there's also quality control by human beings on a very regular basis to ensure that the temperatures and the environment is perfect because remember you're doing this to 
secure or improve your chances of your fertility for the future. So we take that very seriously. It's really good to hear. Um, <laughs> and so as a result, the, uh, the egg storage facility and the way that they're stored is above and beyond secure, but also an uh, incredible amount of technology and care because uh, it's valuable. We don't even know how to thank you yes. for oh giving that. We're, I'm, we're so like excited crying. to share that with everybody. That's huge. In addition to all the stuff that's covered, what kind of costs are we looking at out of pocket? What sort of things might we need just to, so people can prepare and really know what they're getting into? Yeah. So one of the major things that we want to do is be fully transparent. So the $5,000 for your listeners includes everything I just mentioned. It does not include the medication. The medication's coming from a pharmacy. It's not coming from us. Right. Um, it's actually against the law in the United States for doctors to dispense medication. The medication varies dramatically. It goes anywhere from about $2,000 to as high as $6,000. And the reason for that wide variance, it based on your fertility. How much you need. Right. So if someone is young and has really good fertility that would require less medicine to stimulate their ovaries. If someone's fertility has really declined and they're older, they would require more medicine to get their ovaries going. And so the way to think about it is if, you know, your battery is almost dead, it's really going to require a lot of energy to get it to your car to go. Whereas if it's completely charged, it's just easy. So that's kind of an analogy to consider. So medication is not included. We do have special relationships with the pharmacies because there's only certain pharmacies that make these medications. It's not like you're going to CVS and doing right. read and getting hormone injections. So they're specialty pharmacies. And so we do have special relationships where we can get 20% off the medication specifically through Kind Body. And then we always use the smallest amount of medicine that's going to be effective in order to make it the process correct obviously for your body. And, uh, and there's never a situation where we're giving you more medicine just because. And you guys provide payment plans too, right? For people that this might feel overwhelming, there's an option to set out a plan to pay for it. Absolutely. So for the cost of the actual procedure, everything that's related to kind body. So those $5,000, yeah. you can do a payment plan. It's Great. $200 a month for 36 months. Wow. And, uh, and the medication, unfortunately, is coming from the pharmacies. We don't really have control over that. Although we are working as a company to really kind of talk to these pharmaceutical companies and try to think of ways to reduce the costs because we think it's obscene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. And we appreciate you saying that because yeah. it is tough to say like, you know, the whole process as a whole, it is an investment, but it's for you and for what you want to do. So it's tough for someone that's saying I'm doing the best that I can and trying to just live my life and afford my lifestyle. And then you add this and all of the added stresses onto right. that. You know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I really so there's do. two things I'll add to that. One is that there's places in New York City that charge 15 to 17, $20,000 before the medication. Oh, we found them. To oh, freeze yeah. your eggs. Yep. So um, $5,000 is considerably less than most of the places in New York City. Yeah. And then I totally recognize that $5,000 plus, let's say, $3,000 for medication is $8,000. I totally get that that's a lot of money. But if you step back for a moment and think about two things. One, the peace of mind that that could provide you, the time, the options, and that potential to improve your chances of fertility in the future, I would argue that it's worth it. Yeah. And two, 
in the event that you have fertility issues when you get older and you do not have frozen eggs, I guarantee you your IVF process will be harder and significantly more expensive yeah. than if you freeze your eggs when you're younger. So if uh, it is absolutely a lot of money, but in the big scheme of things, you would end up spending a significantly more amount of money at an older age and harder time getting pregnant uh, if you have fertility issues. So we're all taking control of this now as women, which is incredible. And I think, you know, what you were saying earlier about the fact that women have been an afterthought in a lot of ways. Do you think there's ever a day that this sort of thing would be covered by insurance? A hundred percent. And the reason why I say that is that um, employers are starting to cover it for their employees. So places like Google and Facebook, Facebook. Um, even Starbucks. Oh, yes. Um, and um, JetBlue. Uh, those are just to name a few, um, but there's a lot of employers that are starting to cover it as a benefit for their employees. We know that employers are always going to be ahead, a step ahead compared to insurance companies. Insurance companies are usually the last ones to kind of give, but as more and more employers start to offer it as a benefit, we will definitely see a trickle down to insurance companies providing it also as a benefit. Now, do I think it's going to happen tomorrow or in 2019? Absolutely not. But do I envision that it will happen in the next five to 10 years? I do. And I think that universally, the costs will come down. One of the big challenges we get as a company is, well, what are you guys doing to make it less expensive? Are you guys cutting a corner? What are you doing? Should I actually go and spend more money because I'm going to get a better outcome? And the actual question you should ask is to the places that are really expensive, what are you doing with my money? And the key is, is that the science, the actual medicine and science behind egg freezing has become very standardized so that whether you go to the place that's charging you $15,000 or you come to Kind Body and pay 5000 the process behind the scenes is exactly the same. That's why it's become so commercially available. This is not something where people are just doing for fun. It's... It's an actual scientific medical procedure. It's FDA approved. You know, it's gone through all the rigmarole. It's not some experimental thing for fun. The reason why some places charge you a lot is they've kind of gotten away with it for such a long time because there was a huge chunk of time where there was no competition. Right. There was one or two places that provided the care and it wasn't covered by insurance. So no one was regulating the cost. So they charged whatever they wanted and people paid it. And it was just the top 1% of people who could afford it. And they kind of had, you know, endless funds. So they paid it. And now what's happening is the procedure has become very standardized. So more and more places are able to offer it. As a result, the costs are coming down and those places will eventually catch up. And by eventually, I mean within the next you know year or two, the places that charge $15,000 will cease to exist. I mean, yeah. they just won't be able to function because people are going to become wise to it. And so that's that's the response. Don't ask us why we charge so little. It's really go back to the place that's charging you three times as much and ask them, why are you charging me so much? And what they'll often say is, oh, we're providing you something better. And I just want to be the truth speaker here. And, and they're not. And if anything, and I'm really passionate about this, the personalized attention um, and, that we would give you at Kind Body, I know doesn't exist in this industry. 
It's really special. Thank you. No, it's it, we had been talking a lot about this, and we were very excited to meet with you. And you know, also we had seen NBC News the other night, and your director of marketing, Rebecca, who's actually here in the room with us. A lot of people are trying to refute that Kind Body or, or some boutique places are, are trying to capitalize on women's fear. And we were like, we don't get that. We don't understand that. Like why something that is proactive and, and trying to help women understand this process, why you would utilize that. And you've kind of you know, said that in what you had just mentioned. But when people bring that up to you, like what is your, your first response to that? My first response is it's really unfair to women. And the reason why I say that is all we're doing at an egg freezing 101 event, which is what the uh, NBC segment was about, is educating women, right? We're giving women the facts and we're going over the process as you, as the three of us have talked about today. We are giving them kind of the information. How do you feel? What are your symptoms? This is the process. This is why you should do it, etc. That's the extent of it. And if informing women is automatically translated to scaring women or automatically translated to forcing women or strong arming them or whatever, then that's a real that I feel bad as a woman that someone is saying that I as a woman can't just get information and then process it. Right. And so that's a little archaic way of thinking. And it bothers me as a doctor and as a woman, because I'm like, wait, women are able to get information and then you can do with it what you want. Sure. No one's like standing in our egg freezing 101 events and putting people to sleep and <laughs> taking their <laughs> right. eggs out. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's just providing information, no strings attached. And then women leave from there and either make an appointment or not. It's right. amazing. We 50% of women to com- that come to our events book an appointment before they leave. But I'm that, booking an appointment. No, we're, we're done. Like, yeah. We're in. Yeah, we're but in. that's just a testament to they care about their bodies and they're curious and they just want to be proactive. So yeah, I, I think that making an assumption or making a generalization that by just telling women about something is going to automatically scare them. You know, information is power and what you do with information is your choice as, as an individual. I like to equate it to, I think in the late 80s, early 90s, the sexual revolution was the same. People thought of, if you talked about sex, it was going to lead to promiscuity. Right. And that if you provided condoms for free, it was going to lead to... Everybody was you know, just going to do it all the time. Everyone was just going right. to have orgies. <laughs> and what it actually did was talking about sex and increasing sex education and increasing the access to condoms actually reduced HIV and reduced sexually transmitted diseases dramatically. And I really do think it's the same thing. It was just that it was new mm-hmm. and everybody gets nervous about new things. And for the first time, we're being loud and proud about talking to women about their fertility. And I think that saying that just talking about something is fear-mongering or scare tactic is just unfair it's really to unfair. the autonomy of women and to the intelligence of women and to our way of being able to process information. That was really beautiful yeah, put. Thank, thank you. you. So we have a lot of our friends right now that are in same-sex relationships that have been talking about this conversation. They want to have children. So we didn't know also if Kind Body tailored to that and some of the conversations surrounding it. Absolutely. 100%. So when we say that we are a full-service fertility practice, we truly mean full-service. And we encourage same-sex couples 
to come in and find out about their options. What I have found as a physician and particularly as a reproductive health specialist is that most same-sex couples don't truly know their options, whether it's a a female same-sex couple or a male same-sex couple, obviously very different in their needs, but a lot of people in the same way, I mean, it's not really a different topic, the same way there's women walking around who have no idea what their fertility means. There's a lot of misinformation out there of how a same-sex couple can achieve the family of their dreams and to achieve pregnancy. And so we are absolutely available and we welcome couples to come in, come together, come one by one, however feels more comfortable to you. And we're going to go over your options because it's a very it's some of it is quite easy and then some of it is really complex. So for example, in the state of New York, it is illegal to have um, a surrogate. It's not really called a surrogate. It's called a gestational carrier. So that if you have a, a same-sex male couple who wants to get pregnant using their own sperm, they would then get a donor egg. The donor egg is then fertilized with one of their sperm to make an embryo. The embryo is implanted into a woman unrelated to the egg donor. So the woman that gives the egg is not legally allowed to carry the baby? No. Okay. Got it. And the reason for that is that, so the woman who is pregnant carrying the pregnancy is in no way genetically tied to that baby. Got it. Smart. Uh, What that does is it takes away somebody changing their mind and being like, well, this is half my baby. I want to keep it. I feel connected. I've been Precisely. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so what it is, is it's a gestational carrier. So the days of surrogacy, for the most part, a surrogate would be that it's the woman's egg who's pregnant, fertilized by somebody's sperm. Those days, for most cases, are, are gone. So when a gay male couple gets pregnant, um, they're using one of their sperm. And a donor egg, and you can go through donor registries and pick the height, weight, you know, All the ethnicity, mm-hmm. everything. And then you're picking a woman who is not related at all to that egg to carry it. But in New York State, that's illegal. But we can help you navigate the process. It is an arduous process. Yeah. It requires lawyers, contracts, agencies. And so we can help you navigate that. For a same-sex female couple, it's a matter of deciding which woman is going to be first. Sometimes couples will take turns, and sometimes it's one person who will be the, the person who's going to be pregnant, and then is finding a donor sperm of your choice again. And then the process is a little bit different just depending on your individual situation. We really want to welcome same-sex couples because we think that particularly in this arena, there's... If we think there's stigma on women, there's an incredible amount of additional stigma on same-sex couples, and we really want to to take that away and welcome, make it a place where they feel welcome, and to really provide them with the emotional support and guidance and make it just a, a safe place. This has been incredible, and we've learned so much from this time with you. We are both getting ready to sit down and make our appointments. We hope you guys that are listening will join us. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing, not just for us as women, but for us as a society as we grow and continue to share this conversation with each other. You're incredible. Thank you. Thank you you guys for giving me a platform to speak to your audience. It was a pleasure. You have a mic here always, whenever you're (laughs) ready. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you at Kind Body.